people this is the shark attack i am yours truly sean williams normally i would be joined by jp mayor but because of work comp or work scheduling on my end but also jp was under under the weather today i let him i let him conduct his own own segment for you all and give his two cents on on the topics that i'm going to cover tonight so what of course, we're heading into WrestleMania, and quick reminder, at, I mean, you all have heard the advertisement for Anchor at the beginning of the show, but also, we, like, like I've started doing, and I've mentioned on this before, that we've started to accept donations for the show if you enjoy what you hear and want to keep this podcast going. There's no real set maximum or minimum limit, it's whatever you guys... It, all depends on how much you like the podcast and how much you enjoy it. So you can find that on the link on Anchor, and I believe it's also that it's also provided that a link for donations is also provided for the episode page. So, with that being said, let's dig into some topics, people. First off, you know, last couple weeks we've talked about the women a lot in the WWE. And we're going to be doing more of that tonight. First off comes the Elimination Chamber. Ronda Ronda ended up beating Ruby Riot. No surprise on that one. Her and Charlotte had a confrontation. And we saw Becky Lynch following Charlotte's attack on her at a a live event. We saw Becky Lynch hobble to the ring with crutches and end up whipping the holy hell out out of Charlotte with the crutch. And then proceeds to do it to Rhonda as well. Memo to Charlotte Flair. Did those pants that you're wearing have a stamp on it? And if so, did that stamp say property of Becky Lynch? Because she owned your ass. She beat the crap out of you. She beat the crap out of Rhonda. <laughs> so, in other words, the queen got dethroned. And the baddest woman on the planet encountered somebody who's just a little bit badder than she is. If you needed further proof that this match at WrestleMania is going to be a triple threat match, we basically got even further proof of that. And of course, on Monday, they advertised the birthday celebration of Ric Flair. How much do you want to bet that is where Becky Lynch is going to not only strike again, but that's going to be the next piece of the puzzle that puts her in that match. And like I said last week, the the fact is, is that by adding Charlotte into this match, you pretty much solidified the fact that this is going to close the show. It's a different match, but the outcome is going to be the same. Becky Lynch is going to be the one standing tall, as the new Raw Women's Champion. And <laughs> WWE is not dense enough to where they would be oblivious 
to the fact that Becky is this over. I mean, meet and greets with her just sell out like crazy and have huge turnouts. You think they haven't noticed that? They have. But, again, different match, but the outcome will remain the same. Becky Lynch rising to superstardom. And speaking of the women, well, be remiss if I didn't if I left out the fact that Sasha Banks and Bayley are the first ever WWE Women's Tag Team Champions. You know, I didn't pick them because I said it was too obvious, but you know what? It's the right call. I mean, nothing against the Iconics or the Riot Squad or Carmella and Mandy Rose. But the fact is, you will have your time. They will have their time. They will be the champions, but you needed somebody that stood out to be your first ever champions. And Bailey and Sasha are that. There's really no other way to explain that. And of course, Tamina and Nia Jax ended up being the first challengers, which, you know, I gotta tell you, all these years in the WWE... There's one skill that Nia Jax didn't inherit from her cousin, The Rock. She's nowhere near the talker he was. In fact, her promos are dreadful. But major props to Charlotte, or sorry, to Sasha Banks and to Bailey. And it's how nice that another first for the women in the women's division didn't have to be something including Charlotte Flair. And look, let me point this out. I have nothing against against Charlotte Flair. But when they unified the women's titles, a lot of people thought that it was Sasha Banks that should have won that match. Instead, Charlotte Flair wins with a little help from her dad. The first Hell in a Cell match had her in it. Iron Woman match on the main roster had to have her. It always had to be her. And why? Because of her family name. I don't deny her skills, I'm just saying that there's no way WWE would be pushing her this hard if they didn't if she didn't have Ric Flair's name. But if there's anything that kind of makes me wonder with the new Fox deal starting in October, that WWE may be putting an end to the brand extension. Those belts are a, are a prime example of it. I mean, it would make sense for, De- or for Fox to want the brand extension to end. And right now, but you can't have two women's tag titles for each brand. You don't have enough women tag teams to have something like that happen. But we, I mean, it's... Congratulations again to Char- to Sasha and Bailey, and I'm anxious to see how things pan out for that one. And now, people, comes that that time in the show where we dig into a little bit of the positive and where we cross the line. Bitch, what line? If there's one thing, regardless of the reason, because there's been reports that things were changed at the last minute for Raw and probably for SmackDown. It's that what we got this week was showcasing the future. Triple H started Raw, but 
he of course gave mention of how he runs NXT and that that this week he wanted to showcase well, some of the elite of NXT. And we got just that. In a tag team match, we saw well, Finn Balor at first fighting her getting attacked by or set up by Leo Rush and Bobby Lashley and gets saved by the one and only <laughs> aviator of aerial assault that is Ricochet. But we also had the revival <laughs> kind of for one night rekindle an old score against Tommaso Ciampa and Johnny Gargano. And we of course saw that again or we saw Ciampa and Gargano again on SmackDown where they took on uh, the bar. But Sheamus landing on in that Project Ciampa move and the powerbomb backbreaker, I mean, and Sheamus landing on Ciampa's knee. I'm a little worried on that one. But we also saw Ricochet take on Eric Young. And JP, of course, mentioned how sanity is just kind of fizzled. Yeah, I unfortunately have to concur on that one. I saw so much potential with sanity, and it's just going to the, it's just going by the wayside. But the other one that we saw, we saw Alistair Black in action on the main roster. We saw him lay out, um, well, have a match, but lay out Elias on Raw. And then have a rematch from NXT with him and Andrade, which both matches ended the same way. Faded to black, courtesy of the Black Mass. Which, no matter how many times I see that kick, I still can't, and I'm just shocked seeing it. But if there's anything that could come out of seeing those four guys compete, it was... <laughs> Uh, to quote Jack Nicholson in the first Batman movie, think about the future, because that's exactly what we witnessed. And speaking of NXT, one other side bar that I got or side topic I got to throw in for this segment is congratulations go out to the Velveteen Dream who defeated Johnny Gargano to win the NXT North American title and winning winning his first championship since he came to NXT. With the longer he's in NXT, the more I see um, the Velveteen Dream stepping it up. What kind of character exactly is he supposed to be? We don't know yet, but he's definitely taking it to another level with with each and every time he gets in that ring. So it is definitely all about NXT and. Think about the future is right because for WWE, their future is NXT. And it's the one thing that when thinking about WWE's future, seems bright indeed. And that is crossing the line. Alright, that being said, people, we're going to take a quick break. And just so you know, anybody that has a podcast of their own and to talk about thinking about the future... Podcasting definitely seems like a step in that future. Anybody that has a podcast of their own or something they want to plug, hit me up on Twitter at Seanmusprime81. 
and record a, and we'll talk, have you guys record an audio plug for the show, and I will play it in between breaks on, on this one. So with that being said, we'll be right back after this, people. Don't go anywhere. This is Brian H. Waters, one half of the wrestling realm. Also, the host of Break It Down with Brian H. and Wrestling for the Culture. You can find on all your podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, Stitcher, Google Podcasts. You name it, we're there. And make sure you subscribe to the wrestling realm on YouTube. Now, back to my boys, The Shark and J.P. Mayer. That, and we're back, people. That, of course, is a good buddy of mine. The man they call Mr. Main Event, Mr. Brian H. Waters. Make sure you check out Break It Down with Brian H. Right here on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, and every, every other platform for podcasting that you can find. And, of course, just like on here, he, we accept donations for the podcast, so make sure you like what you hear make sure which yeah i guarantee you will then let show them some love let them know and also subscribe on youtube to the hip wrestling realm with him and another good buddy of mine Dwayne allen and of course like us for this show make sure you subscribe on itunes and anywhere that you get your podcast from and leave some reviews as well all right we went from the positive now we go into the negative this is where we ask the question, people. Who writes this crap? Who's in charge over there? This is aggravating me now. What, I can't count on you people? This week's Who Writes This Crap? You know, as badly as I want to criticize how much doing Raw in Lafayette, Louisiana sucked, because that crowd was horrible, and that New Orleans gives a much better reaction for pro wrestling than Lafayette did, this segment has nothing to do with that. It has to do with a couple of, with three specific individuals. One is Braun Strowman. I never thought I would say this. I have gone completely cold on Braun Strowman. I've had it. He's, it's, he's no longer the guy that you expect him to come out and want to see him just wreck through everything, screaming, I'm not through with you, or get these hands. Now... After too many times with him gang- getting ganged up on or not getting a title shot against Brock Lesnar or somehow screwing things up, he just doesn't do anything for me anymore as a wrestling fan. I wish that wasn't the case, but he's reached Big Show, and I don't mean good Big Show, I mean to the point where you're, you can't stand seeing him on TV Big, big Show level. Given that's not the case, it's not entirely the case for, for Braun. But nope, nobody's really liking the lack of direction that Braun Strowman's getting lately. And speaking of lack of direction, WWE better have a game plan for Drew McIntyre because he's too good to be kept off the card, and he's too good for you guys to not have a plan. And memo to Baron Corbin, go away. Seriously, this is the best that he can do. I don't even care about Baron Corbin versus Braun Strowman. 
I'm not invested in that story anymore. I don't think I was invested in that story to begin with. Baron Corbin basically is the very definition of floundering right now. He's still coming out like he, dressed like he's still the GM. He's still moaning and groaning about no longer being the GM and nobody could care less. And it's like I said in other discussions and on whether on this show or outside of it. That I just wanted to see Braun Strowman kill Baron Corbin and get it over with already. I mean, WWE has to do better than this. I mean, those three guys, well, and really the only one that anybody really wants to see take it to the next level is Drew McIntyre. Braun Strowman and Baron Corbin are dangerous dancing dangerously close to just being a lost cause. And and at this point, for all we know, they may end up... They'll be lucky if they end up on the pre-show before Mania, much less on the actual card. And that, people, is why we ask who writes this crap. You know, with all the talk about the Raw Women's Championship, barely anyone is saying anything about the SmackDown Women's Championship. Yeah, we saw Mandy Rose get a win over Asuka, thanks to a distraction by Lacey Evans, but, and no, I don't think Mandy Rose is going to be the one that challenges Asuka at WrestleMania. Sonya Deville would be an interesting one because of her fighting styles, but... I don't see Sonya Deville being at that level just yet, either. However, the one that I'm slightly intrigued on, and there's already been rumor rampant about it, about her possibly getting a huge push, is Lacey Evans. The only reason I'm skeptic of the idea of having her and Asuka fight at Mania is because most of the time, when you debut at WrestleMania there's a stronger chance that it'll backfire on you. And sometimes you don't recover from that. Now, I dig Lacey Evans. I dig the gimmick. Hell, when she interrupted Heavy Machinery on Monday, I ta- I'll take her over Heavy Machinery any day of the week, twice on Sunday. But... You need to have SmackDown step it up and remind the crowd you still have another women's champion. It's not just the one on Raw. And of course, speaking of SmackDown, and of course with the Elimination Chamber, Kofi Kingston came within probably, I would say, seconds, hell, half a heartbeat even, of winning the WWE title from Daniel Bryan. But Daniel Bryan retained, but Kofi Kingston will get another chance at Fastlane. I'm anxious to see where WWE is going to go with this. As far as we know, we still don't know who the challenger is going to be for for Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania. I still think they missed a golden opportunity in having The Miz do it. But he's too wrapped up with the tag team title situation with Shane and now the Usos who won the belts. And next topic. 
Um, here's well, here's the rest of the news. Like I said, WWE, please don't ever do another show at Lafayette again. And I can't help but wonder, Finn Balor winning the Intercontinental title from Bobby Lashley so soon? Was this kind of his reward for taking the beating from Brock Lesnar last month? And, of course, nobody seems to know or make any sense of Bobby Lashley and Leo Rush right now. Lashley laid out Leo Rush at, after losing the belt. But now it seems like they are sort of on good terms now. Who the hell knows with that? those two guys? I definitely don't want to see a split of Leo Rush from Bobby Lashley because Lashley is still not a great talker and Leo Rush fits, uh, fills that void. DX is going to be in the Hall of Fame, which is well-deserved. I have no objections about that one. So many people are complaining over the fact that China's not in the Hall of Fame on her own. This is progress. She will, she will be in as part of the group, and eventually they will give her her own, her own spot in the Hall of Fame. Triple H got it. Nate got it. And pretty sure with this induction... HBK got it, too. And, of course, a couple about a month or so ago, we saw, we read that Hideo Itami had asked for his release. Well, today was made official, as Hideo Itami did get his release from the WWE. But we also heard other names who were on their way out. TJ Perkins, formerly TJP, has also been released. You know, that was a kid that had all the skill in the world. But after you had him drop the title so quickly, he's never bounced back from it. I mean, you had him lose the belt to Brian, I believe it was Brian Kendrick, and that was really only to help further escalate the cruiserweight division. But, um... Yeah, and of course with, so with Dillinger, with Ty Dillinger and TJP, and now, or in of course, Hideo Itami, all wanting their release, releases and getting it. You know, regarding Ty Dillinger, I didn't have anything necessarily against him, but the perfect ten gimmick was just never going to work. I mean, I think the only people that really did that chant of 10-10, for all we know, WWE might have altered that, because for all we know, the crowd was just still chanting yes over it. I'm sure Kenta is on his way back to Japan, and no, I don't see any of these guys heading to AEW, so just put that to rest at the moment. And finally, before we wrap things tonight, I, of course, as of late, I've been doing WrestleMania topics, which this week I asked, 
favorite and least favorite match at WrestleMania that included The Undertaker, aside from the Taker-Roman match? You know, as many good ones as there have been with The Undertaker at WrestleMania, there have also been plenty of bad ones, too. For example, any, of course, the match with Giant Gonzalez, which JP named, but one one other one that I, and I'm not going to list all the ones that I didn't like, but one that I truly didn't like, It would have to be the Hell in a Cell match against the Big Boss Man because not only was it a not that great a match, but it was so bad not even the Hell in a Cell structure could save that match. And all it did was just lengthen the villain dynamic for Yosemite Sam. Well, not that he was the hero, but having in a having opposition, I think, is probably the better word. And so that was least favorite. Favorite, and maybe I'm being a little biased, but I would have to say WrestleMania 21 for seeing the return of, or seeing Randy Orton try to break the streak. But another one that I, I'm going to the American Badass days with this one that I enjoyed, it was Triple H versus The Undertaker when Taker was doing the American Badass gimmick. And that was another one that I found was kind of decent. And lastly, the other one that I asked was, name a non-wrestler that competed or showed up in a match that you just did not like. Again, maybe I'm being a little biased, but WrestleMania 21, when it was that sumo wrestler Akibono versus The Big Show, I could go the rest of my life without seeing either one of those guys in a, in, well, just say for lack of intensive purposes, yoga clothes. But that's going to do, that's going to do it for tonight. I want to thank you guys for listening. Make sure you follow me on Twitter at Prime 81 the shark, the shark attack group on Facebook. And again, if you like this show, if you like what you hear, you want to keep this thing going, please don't hesitate to donate to this show, help keep it going. Anything that you give is appreciated. And one thing I can tell you that we'll be talking about next week, hopefully JP will be feeling better, is, is for WrestleMania moments, I am going to ask, what is the worst debut? To, to take place at WrestleMania. Because let's face it, as much pressure as there is for somebody to make the debut from the live shows or the indies or NXT and onto the main roster, that's got to be nerve-wracking. But, you know, it is the nature of the business. But, no, I know the old saying go. I mean, said a lot, but we'll see what happens. Yeah, I mean, well, here's here's the thing that, for me, and this is why I was nervous about Lacey Evans possibly having her first match be at WrestleMania against Asuka. It's that 
if you make your, oftentimes you make your debut at WrestleMania, you end up spelling disaster. I mean, don't believe me? Look at Fandango and what happened with that one. Yeah, I know how he pronounces his name, but I also don't care. But, um... We'll be, but yeah, I'll be talking about just any guy who had their first match at WrestleMania. Though, if I can find, find a few, explain why it worked. And also explain why it... It not only didn't work, but may not, but usually doesn't come into fruition. But I will also be um, talking about the Laker game that I went to this week when they took on Houston. But more on that on Variety Bites. Until the next time, hope you guys have a good weekend. This has been The Shark Attack. I am Sean Williams, and I am out of here. He was born perfect, and just like the great white shark, this guy has never had to evolve.